Great. Well, that was exciting. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed that new song. Do you like that new song? It's a good one, isn't it? Eh? Brilliant one. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, we just, uh, this last Sunday, we were sharing just about direction for the year. And uh, because uh, every Sunday we've got about a third of the congregation away or doing something else, we have to do this and unpack this progressively over two or three Sundays. And uh, so let me just pick up a little bit about where we were sun- last Sunday, and I want to carry and pick it up at a different level today. Uh, last Sunday, we were sharing how our key verse for the year, uh, God spoke out of uh, Exodus chapter 14, and He said, tell the children of Israel, advance. And the same word that I had felt the Spirit of the Lord gave me for this year was advance, meaning don't stay where you are, make progress forward, come up to another level, don't settle down and settle for what you had last year. And so every one of us, individually and corporately, are facing a challenge this year uh, to advance, to make some steps forward and make progress. And uh, we shared with you three areas that we wanted to make progress. One is in experiencing the supernatural, the presence and power of God. We showed you some clips of miracles that happened last weekend, and there were many other people healed last weekend. And this year we'll be carrying on that uh, emphasis right through the year. The second thing we shared we wanted to uh, make an increase and grow in was in the area of winning souls, winning people to Jesus Christ. The third area was the area of uh, sending, of commissioning people and releasing people into ministries to train and prepare them. So these are overall the things we're looking at. Last week, I specifically looked uh, at the apostolic church. Now, that's not the apostolic denomination down the road. We're talking about what the Bible talks about the church Jesus had in mind the church that went out and invaded nations. He had in mind a church that raised up young men and women, sent them out, and they penetrated communities and cultures with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People were healed, their lives were transformed, just as you heard happened with Sergeant today. So the apostolic church is not just a little cruisy, comfortable pastoral church where people feel loved and welcome and settle down and someone's looking after them. Rather, there's a challenge to continually grow be prepared and are trained, and then make, an inf- and make a difference in the community. And uh, we looked in Acts uh, chapter 13 at some characteristics of a church which is apostolic, and we saw that they were, first of all, as multicultural, had people from all different cultures, not just one, uh, hence the significance of ordaining uh, Sajan today. Secondly, we saw that it was a church where there's teamwork. It's not about just individuals. It's about teams, teams of people working together to do uh, wonderful things. Uh, We saw also in the church in Antioch, an apostolic church, there was a governing eldership. And I shared last week that we're planning uh, to form an eldership team this year, identified who they were, and we're working with them. It was a church of the supernatural. There was fasting and prayer. And uh, over the last two or three weeks, we've had quite a season of prayer and fasting. We'll be doing it again through the year for release of the presence of God and unusual things to happen in our midst. We saw the Apostolic Church was a church where people were commissioned like we did with Sajan today. Last week, we commissioned all the intercessors. As the weeks go by, we're going to pray for different other groups of people. And then finally, it was as a church where people are raised up to become breakthrough believers. In other words, Christians are not passive. They step up and make something count of their lives. And uh, this is the church Jesus is building. And uh, today I want to pick up the soul winning aspect of it, and I want to share with you just again some aspects of uh, our vision for this year, and I want to put it in in a picture form, and we're going to look at one key verse, and then we're going to pick it up in a passage in the Bible. Here's the key verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Now then, we are 
ambassadors for Christ. What are we? We're ambassadors. Hey, ambassadors, you don't choose any person to be an ambassador. You choose people who are usually come from a special status or standing. An ambassador is a person chosen and sent on a mission to represent their king or kingdom. So Paul is saying very clearly, we, that's believers, people who've committed their life to Jesus Christ, you are called not just into a relationship with God, a personal relationship of knowing Him, loving Him, and relating with Him. You and I are called to be an ambassador, to present ourselves in the community in such a way that Jesus Christ and the heart of God is represented well. So an ambassador speaks and acts on behalf of someone else. An ambassador speaks and acts and represents the heart, spirit, and nature of the place he's come from, the government that sent him. So believers, we understand that as a believer, you and I are called to reveal the heart of God and to speak and act on his behalf to bring benefit and blessing to the lives of people around us. Religion is about keeping rules, trying to live a good life. Religion is not what God is interested in. Religion was man's idea. A relationship was God's idea. And God is still into relationship. So the Bible tells us that uh, through the fall of man, every one of us is born into this world separate from God. And so God sends people to us to share with us His life and love so we can make a response to the God who loves us. What a great thing to be an ambassador. Huh? An ambassador. So say hello to the ambassador next to you. Let them introduce themselves. (laughs) So we're going to go and look in, and I want to show you what an ambassador looks like. Because when you think of an ambassador, you think of a nice big flash black car, limo, and there's guards, and there's flags, and all that kind of stuff. The ambassadors of heaven look a bit different. That's why it's always a bit of a problem recognizing an ambassador from heaven. No problem recognizing the American ambassador. You see all the guards around him with guns. You know, you recognize the ambassadors of a different country. They all have their limos and their status, everything like that. But when an ambassador from heaven, unfortunately, doesn't look like that. They look real ordinary, so ordinary you can miss them. So when Jesus came as an ambassador from heaven, everyone missed him. That's the irony of it, isn't it? The Jews had the Bible. They had all the promises of God. And when Jesus came, they missed him. Why did they miss him? Because he didn't come packaged like they thought he would. And it's still the same today. God just uses ordinary people as ambassadors. Challenge is not whether you'll be an ambassador. The challenge really is what kind of ambassador you'll be. So we're going to look and see what an ambassador of heaven looks like. It's found in Luke chapter 10. And then I want to share with some, some things related to this year we want to focus on. So let's look in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. So if you're a lawyer, don't take this personally. This is just Jesus is telling us something that happened, okay? Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, well, he put it back to him. Well, what do you say is written in the, in the law? What is your reading of the Bible? How do you read it? What do you think? And he said, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said, very good. You've answered right. Do this and you'll be fine. And he, wanting to justify himself, said, who is my neighbor? I want you to see how Jesus now reveals what an ambassador for heaven looks like and then changes the focus completely. Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves 
They stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite. He arrived at that place. He came. He looked. He passed by on the other side. And then there was a certain Samaritan. And when he journeyed, he came where he was. He saw him. And he was moved with compassion. And he went to him bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day when he departed, he took out two denarii or some money. He gave it to the innkeeper and said, well, you take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come back, I will repay you. Now, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? He said, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, well, you go and do the same. All right then. So we, Jesus is When Jesus came to earth, He came for a number of reasons. One of the reasons He came was to show what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, you should look at how Jesus lived His life connected and related with people. He reveals the heart of God. So when you see Him dealing with people, you see the heart of God is a heart of love, kindness, and compassion. When Jesus came, He came to the Jewish people And the Jewish people had been entrusted the Bible, the Word of God for many years, but they had lost the heart of God. They had knowledge of words, but they had no knowledge of the heart of what God is like. And so Jesus came to speak and to address these issues, one, by revealing how God relates to people, two, by sharing the things of the kingdom of God, three, by miracles to uh, uh, verify, validate his ministry. Now, here you've got a lawyer. A lawyer was a person who was thoroughly familiar with the Word of God. So the lawyers argued over all the little bits and pieces of what it might mean. And so the lawyer is wanting to test him. So he says, well, what's the thing I must do? And Jesus said, well, you answer it. And he said, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you got it. The whole of the Bible is summed up in one thing, and that is the nature of God, love. God is love. So he says, if you want to do or fulfill everything that's in the Bible, you don't have to memorize everything. If you will love God passionately, you'll love Him with all your mind and heart and soul and strength. Now, that's obviously more than just going to a search service. That's about a a strong, personal, life-changing relationship. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. The love for God must flow over to represent to people what God is like. So if you've experienced God, you can share what you've experienced. Today, Sajan shared a testimony. He was tormented, troubled, uh, in distress, no hope of a breakthrough. But when he reached out to God and reached out and connected him with him personally, the Spirit of the Lord set him free, released him. Now he has a testimony, God is good. He's good all the time, regardless of what you might have heard. He is good all the time. So Jesus then tells them the story. So we're going to go through, I want to pick a few things in the story. Certain man, so certain man could be any person, it's just a person who's got a journey of life. All of us are on a journey in life. We set out and God has designed for you a destiny and a purpose. When you came into this world, it was never by accident. God designed you to fulfill a purpose You have two primary responsibilities with your life. Number one, to discover and make personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, to discover why did God put you in this earth? What is it He designed you to do 
and uniquely to do. That's your responsibility. Now, this man set out on his journey of life, and he encountered unexpected problems. When we're born into this world, we're born into a world full of many, many problems, many difficulties, and things happen to us we don't expect. That's what happened to this man. He fell among thieves. They leapt on him, beat him up, tore away all his clothes, wounded him, left him half dead. That word wound means literally a trauma. This man did not expect, as he journeyed out on life, he would end up abused, hurt, wounded, traumatized, and abandoned. And yet this is what happened to him. That is the experience of far more people than you realize. People traumatized through their family, abandoned as children, unwanted as children. People traumatized by being rejected or abandoned by parents, abused by parents. People traumatized by problems and issues and things they've suffered in life. This is the condition of many, 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 many people. Every day you walk past people. Now, maybe you don't see them lying on the ground, battered and bruised and beaten up and bleeding, but the most painful wounds are the wounds which are in the heart of a person. The ones which are external, you see, and they heal. The ones which are internal are not seen. They affect the whole course of a person's life. This man not only was robbed of what was entitled to, not only was he robbed, he was also deeply wounded, and he was abandoned. And this is the position of many, many people. Some of you here today will be in that state inside. You've dressed nice, you've come to a church meeting, you've come and seen people, you've seen and seen what we're doing or whatever, and uh, you've been a part of what we're doing, and yet inside there's deep wounding, deep experiences that are painful, sense of being abandoned, and there's no one will reach to your life to help you. And this is exactly what we are called to do as believers. We are called to be an ambassador of heaven. Now, Jesus then begins to go and talk about the failure of the religious system. He talks here specifically about the failure of religion. The two people that he refers to a priest was a person involved in doing activities in a church setting. A Levite was a person involved in doing things in a church setting. He said the priest came by and he looked. That means he saw the need, but he had not got in his heart anything that would move him to get involved. In fact, he was self-referenced, self-centered, preoccupied with his own busyness, his own things that he was doing. He did not carry the heart. And here's the irony of it. Here he is saying he worships God, but he doesn't carry the heart of God. And the heart of God is seen not whether you can lift your hands and sing, but whether there's an overflow to people. And this man, supposedly uh, one of the people who ran the church religious system of the day, demonstrated that he did not carry the heart of God. He had religion. Religion is dead. It is empty. It consists of words and rituals. It is not what God is about. God is about a living relationship where we are ambassadors of what we have experienced of Him. Second person that came by was a Levite. The Levite likewise was involved in all kinds of church matters. You could call him a good church person, attended regularly, tithe gave, tried to live a good life. These were both what you'd call good people, but good people don't necessarily get to heaven. One of the things that Jesus highlights is, yes, they might have thought they were good, but they actually needed a heart change. They needed a change from trusting religion. They needed a change from what they were trying to do to be good, they needed actually a living personal faith in God. So then Jesus contrasted with a Samaritan. 
Samaritan was a person despised by the Jews, and Jesus deliberately put this to them because he was the one they were despising. And yet he was the one who was doing the things that showed what God is like. So he tells the story about the Samaritan. I want you to just pick several things the Samaritan did. Notice what religion does. Religion crosses to the other side and does not get involved in the hearts of people. It has no answers for the hearts of people, for a heart to be changed requires the love and presence of God. Now let's have a look quickly at things that an ambassador does. Number one, he noticed the need. Notice what it tells us there. It says in verse uh, 35, Verse 30, uh, sorry, verse 31, he saw him, he saw him, sorry, verse 33, the Samaritan, when he journeyed, came where he was and he saw him. The first thing was, he encountered the person and recognized that he had a need. How many times do you pass people and recognize they have a need? Or do you not even see that they're in need? Are we so busy with our own life that we don't see there's a need? An ambassador of heaven is looking always for the opportunity to meet needs of people because God loves people. Second thing we notice is he was moved with compassion. He had compassion with him. How did he have compassion? Compassion means you're stirred by the pain of people. What happens today is we get desensitized by TV. We get desensitized by the media. Desensitized, we become cynical. We don't want to get involved. It says he was moved with compassion. The Bible says many times of Jesus, when he saw people in desperate need, he was moved with compassion. Compassion is what God is like. What motivated him? Not religion, not duty, compassion. He fell for him. He wanted to do something. It was in him to do something. That's what an ambassador is like. It's in them to do something about needs of people. Next thing you notice, he went to him. He took the initiative. An ambassador takes initiatives. When you go as an ambassador to a country, you're expected to take initiative to build relationships and connections. An ambassador of God, an ambassador of heaven, must take initiative. You don't wait for people to come to you. Believers, followers of Christ who are ambassadors of heaven, take the initiative. You go to people and build a bridge of connection and build a bridge of relationship. One challenge <coughs> many Christians face is to develop good relationship skills. So you can talk with people, take an interest in them. They don't just turn up because you're there. You've actually got to go and inquire about their world. We've been on buses, trains, planes, every kind of thing you could imagine, and people want to talk. They want to talk about themselves. They want to talk, and if you listen, they'll talk about where the problems are. I was sitting with one person. I just sat down and had a bit of a chat with them on a bus. It only took about three or four minutes. Next thing, they're opening up their whole heart about all their stuff. And then they thought, oh, how come I'm telling you all this? I mean, went to another place. We sat down for a meal. And within a short time, the lady of the house opened up. She's sharing all her struggles and problems and difficulties. Then she stopped. Oh, how come I'm telling you all this? This is the first time we've met. But you understand when you have a heart to find out what's going on in people's life, they will open up and talk. They want to talk. They want help. They've been alone and abandoned a long time. And uh, next thing you notice is he exposed the problem. We know we expose the problem because if you want to go to someone and bandage up the wounds, you've got to first locate where they're hurt. Now, people don't just lie around showing you where they're hurt. You've got to talk to them, listen to them, engage them, and open up their heart so that they share with you where there's the struggle, where's the problem. And it takes some skill to do that. You have to have a heart to hear and not judge. If you're judgmental, no one's going to talk to you. If you look at a person and you look down on them, no one's going to talk to you. I remember 
one stage, uh, I, was, uh, I met up with a guy, it was a guy some years ago here, and uh, there was a, a Maori guy I got to connect with, and he was uh, a member of one of the gangs. And uh, he had tattoos all over him, and uh, I was finding it a challenge to connect. And, and I said to the Lord, Lord, you've got to help me find a ground that I can talk with him. And uh, so the Lord said, speak to him and ask him about his experiences with the spirit realm. So great, I found a bridge across him. So I asked him a little bit about what experiences he'd had with spirits. He said, oh, heaps of them. I said, wow, tell me. So he got talking. Well, he got talking and talking and talking. He told me all kinds of things I'd never heard of before. Amazing stuff. I was really interested. And then I said to him, tell me, were any of those spirits good? He said, no, none of them. They were all terrible. They're really, I'm really being troubled by these things. And uh, now, you see, so now I've got the area of pain. He said, well, would you like me to tell you about a spirit that's a good spirit that's more powerful than all of those ones? He said, yeah, come on, tell me. So we got sharing about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and uh, within a short period of time, he opened his heart, received Jesus Christ, and the torments left his life. So you've got to find your way into the hearts of people. No one opens up their secrets to someone who doesn't first care about them. Now, I heard someone say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you have to demonstrate you really care. This man showed he cared. The next thing he did, he gave practical help. Now, we've got to never overlook the practical. He just bandaged the womb, stopped the bleeding. You've got to do things to stop people, you know, going down the tubes. You've actually got to be practical. Many times the needs people have are practical. Jesus was very practical. And, uh, but often he asked them to identify what their need was. And uh, then notice he poured in the oil and the wine. And the Bible oil was for soothing, calming. Uh, the wine was for a disinfectant. And both of them are pictures of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. He poured in the oil and the wine. He actually ministered to the area of the person's life that they were damaged. Now believers, when you got born again, God put His Holy Spirit in you. He expects you to learn how to minister to people. He expects you to learn how to be able to impart the life of God to bring healing and minister to the hearts of people. If you can't do it, we, we give opportunities this year. I've got about four training seminars that will give you an opportunity to learn how to minister to people. If you're in this church for a year and have never learned how to pray for a person and bring the life of God to them, it's because your heart is closed, you haven't made it a priority, you haven't fronted up to what it means to be an ambassador. An ambassador of heaven must be able to bring the life of God to other people. And I find wherever I go, doesn't matter where I go in the world, doesn't matter what culture, what place I go, there is a desperate need everywhere for people to have ministry from the Holy Spirit to bind up their wounds and set them free of the things that trouble them. If you can minister in that way to people, you can be busy for the rest of your life doing something as an ambassador of heaven. It's something we can learn to do. I didn't start off that way. I got to learn how to do it. See? So the next thing he did was he altered his personal schedule. If you're going to be an ambassador of heaven, guess, guess what? Nothing happens at a convenient time. Have you noticed that? Nothing happens at a convenient time. Always it's inconvenient, people's needs. I've noticed they don't even die at a convenient time. Whenever there's a funeral, it's always an inconvenient time. Why didn't you hang on a couple more days or something, you know? It's never, never convenient. And you'll notice when it comes to minister to people, when it comes to uh, meet the needs of people, it's never convenient. There's always a time where you have to put yourself out. 
And this guy put himself out, adjusted his schedule. He adjusted his home. He adjusted his life. One of the things I noticed about Sergeant and Jesse, they adjust their life around ministering to people. Great priority. Many others in the church do so too. Next thing, he connected them to others. He took them to an inn. Now, I'm going to get on to that in a moment. He took them to a place where there were other people who could care. One of the challenges as an ambassador of God is not just to initiate connection with people and help them as best you can, but also to connect them to other people who can add to the healing process, add to the building and equipping process. We need to bring them into a strong local church. And so he took them to an inn, a place where there's food, fellowship, where there's blessing, encouragement. The last couple of things he did, he gave them personal care and he provided financially. He, he, he made provision for this man's care. Now, Jesus made it really clear, this is what an ambassador of heaven should be like. This is how we behave. This is the overflow of a life that's committed to Christ and understands I'm called to represent heaven. I'm not called to represent myself. I'm called to actually represent what Jesus Christ is like and show his life and nature to people. What a challenge. Notice the need, move with compassion, took initiative, exposed the problem, gave practical help, ministered the anointing of the Holy Spirit, adjusted his schedule, brought him to where others could help, provided personal care, and then he resourced the healing taking place. Now, this is really where we're all at. We're right now at a season in the church where every believer, I'm challenging every member, every person in this church to begin to arise and begin to start to act as an ambassador of heaven to begin to act like the good Samaritan acted like, to begin to live that kind of life. So there's a couple of things. Number one, how this works practically for us. Number one, this year I'll be, we'll be doing quite a bit of equipping and training. How to pray for the sick to be healed. How to set people free of demonic spirits. How to minister healing into the broken heart. How to move prophetically. How to bring a word from God to touch people. The authority God has given to you and how to exercise it. Uh, we've got a whole range of training experiences for you this year. Uh, in a, in a sh- uh, next week, we have a guest ministry who moves very powerfully in the supernatural. He was the one who got me started. Come to him. I guarantee you'll be touched by the power of God. Absolutely. He's the most extraordinary man I've ever met. I'm so looking forward to him coming. But we've also got, at Easter and later on in the year, opportunities for you to experience God and to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit. Put it in your diary and come. We'll have seasons of prayer and fasting through the year. Write them in when they're on and get involved so your personal spiritual life comes up to another level. We'll have an emphasis through this year on ministry and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number one. Number two. Number two is we want to increase our opportunities for outreach this year. Now, there are already a number of opportunities. First of all, there's uh, the prophetic evangelism team that goes out every second week. Secondly, there's a prison ministry team. We've actually got one of the uh, employees at the prison is running an outreach into prisoners in the prison, and they've gathered together a true cell group. Guys who've got saved, come to the Lord, are excited and learning to grow as Christians. Through the year, we'll have a Christmas outreach. Be involved in helping make that take place. We'll be having outreaches at Mother's Day, Father's Day. Be involved in reaching your friends. Pray for your friends and draw and attract your friends. Do everything you can to let the people around you know there's a God who loves them. Bring them into experiences where they can feel that love of God. Then uh, the next thing that we want to do, uh, apart from that, is I want to just talk to you finally just about our need to expand into two morning services. If you look around now, 
Two things you notice. One, it's very hot. Two, it's very full. We can do something about both. Now, what we're planning to do is to, we already have a Sunday night service, a Sunday morning service, and an Indian service. We now want to have a fourth service on the weekend. So what we'll do after Easter, we're going to make changes and have two morning services. Two morning services. One from 9 to 10.30, one from 11 to 12.30. 9 to 10.30, 11 to 12.30. I know you're already thinking exactly which one you're going to go. So in order for this to work, there's every one of us needs to step up and help and participate. I want both services to be pumped with energy and life. So in order for that to happen, we're going to do a number of things. Firstly, we're going to alter the layout of the seating in here so that we have less seats and they're arranged differently. Then what I'd like is for people to make a commitment to come to one of those services and we want to have, we have somewhere around about four to 500 every Sunday. We want to have about two to 250 in each of the services so they start lively, full of energy, raring to go. Another part of it is this. So we're going to do a survey to find out which preference you have, but we may, if we find it's weighted one service over the other, just uh, encourage and call and invite people to actually strengthen the smaller service. We want both services to start strong. Now, there's another thing that we're going to need to do. In order for this to happen, we have a huge number of people involved in serving every Sunday. Now, in order for us to be able to move as a church to two services and then grow and expand and fill, we all have to pull together to make this happen. Now, right now, if you look at it, if you arrive late to church, you're almost parked down in town. And I hate that. I have to get here early. I've got to find it. I've got a park, which is quite helpful, but we've borrowed parking next door, this side, that side. We've filled it all up and we're still down the road. So the only way to deal with that is to have two services. So in order for this to run, it's going to really require some commitment and stepping up. Every day for every service, we have a whole team called a network team, which runs all the ministries out there, the security, the car park, the welcoming, greeters, the offerings, a whole range of things. Uh, we have a team that works out in the kids' church. We have a team that works in the children's ministries in various areas, have worship teams, AV teams, sound teams. We have about 80 people every Sunday are doing something. So if you're wondering where some people are, they were all doing something. So you could come and enjoy the service. Now, when we double up the services, it's going to put some pressure everywhere. So it, I'm inviting everyone to step up and be part of growing the church to the next level. What it will mean is we will be needing more people to be on lighting, sound, AV. We'll be needing more people to be involved in just the serving ministry. So if you're a member of Bay City, not on a serving team, I know there won't be many like that, please, we want to contact you, make yourself available, get involved to help make these services take place. There will be coffee put on in between the services. If you think about it, there's going to be a real challenge getting cars in and out. There's going to be a real challenge in getting the services to move. So the cars will come in this way, go out that way, and round to the left. We'll talk about that nearer the time. There will take, it'll take a real work to get everyone moving. So you will be uncomfortable. And uncomfortable is good because it means we're growing and changing. And our goal is we want to grow beyond what we have now. We, most churches, when they get to this level of being full, uh, people coming who want to come to the church find it's too inconvenient parking so far away, too hot, 
not enough seats, all that kind of stuff. It's a discouragement to coming. So by shifting the service into two, we now provide an opportunity for all of us to stretch our faith and begin to expand and believe for many, many more people to come this year. That means when we bring it all together for a combined service, we'll probably have to go down the town hall or something like that. So let's believe together this year we can really stretch out, grow the church to another level, and that everyone here will step up and be involved in some kind of way. If you're in the worship team, I'll be preaching twice every Sunday. Why don't you play twice every Sunday? It's just a matter of stamina. We'll provide a cup of coffee or whatever for you to get you encouraged and fed back up. Then get into it again. Let's make it. Let's all step up rather than saying, oh, it's all too much. We're ambassadors of heaven with a mission. And we want to grow the church in Hawke's Bay. Jesus' heart is for the people of Hawke's Bay. And for that to happen, many, many ambassadors need to step up, engage people in the community, and step up and be involved here. It's a great challenge for this year to break through where we're at currently and grow the church to another new level. And I'm inviting everyone, calling you all, wherever you are, wherever you serve, step up and get involved at another level. And we'll be working to talk to people through this next month or so, so that when we come to after Easter, we open with a great show. It'll be great. Pumping services, the first one and the second one, both pumping. We have tried two services in the morning before. We made a mistake. We didn't make the both services the same and the same level of pumped up. So this time, we won't make the same mistake. We'll do it right this time. Great to learn, isn't it, eh? Great to learn from your mistakes. So it's a great challenge this year. And the biggest challenges of all is for you to be engaged with us in making this take place, putting in the extra effort to be there a little bit longer, to help become available, and also and primarily to become a great ambassador for Jesus Christ. Is there anyone that you are praying for, believing God for, reaching out to currently? Why don't you begin to start to do that this year? Why don't you get involved in the prophetic evangelism team? Man, that's some of the most exciting things you can be involved in. Cecilia and Sergeant have got this great team working there. They pray, God shows them things, they go out and they meet people in the community. God does great things. This is a great year for growth. You say amen? amen. So don't get uncomfortable in your seat. It won't be your seat after Easter. It'll probably be someone else's seat and you'll be in a different seat. You'll have come up to another level and that'll be really good. Every one of us faced that challenge this year.